Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. and privileged to have some very special missionary guests. So we would love to welcome the Goosens. Good morning, or as they would say in Fiji, Nisambula. That's right. Um, actually, it was really funny. I was at Costco in Nampa, and I had a T-shirt on that said Fiji, and I was just walking out, and the guy looks at me. He's like, oh, Nisambula, and I'm like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I was appropriately polite and said, which is thank you very much as he helped us. Um, but I bring you greetings this morning from your brothers and sisters in the Melanesia and South Pacific fields of the Church of the Nazarene. That includes the countries of Papua New Guinea, the Solomon Islands, Fiji, Vanuatu, the Kingdom of Tonga, Samoa, and American Samoa. And that field covers about seven time zones and thousands of islands. So there's, there's lots of work that is going on and continues to go on there. Um, we have been privileged to serve in this field for the last 10 years, um, and it has been an amazing journey. Um, we... Uh, my mind just totally went blank. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we, um, we are transitioning, but we'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. We want to thank you um, as a church body for your support of missions. The Nazarene Church figured out a long time ago that we can do a whole lot more together than we can by ourselves. And so it is through your participation in however you call it, whether it's the World Evangelism Fund or Faith Promise or Easter Offering or Missions Giving or whatever name you put on it, you're a part of what we do and a part of the service of, of the 500 missionaries that are currently serving in 96 different countries. Um, and what's really exciting to me is a new statistic I found. Every once in a while I get one that makes me, makes me happy, and this is one of them. We have missionaries serving from 64 different countries. In case you wondered, we are a global church. And God is moving all around the globe, and it's exciting to be a part of it. Part of what's going on in our field is that um, we have a hospital in the highlands of Papua New Guinea that serves 60,000 patients every year. We have a nurses training college that trains nurses, um, but not only trains nurses to be good nurses, but it, uh, our graduates have a lay ministry certificate when they graduate. And so they are equipped to minister in one way or another in the, in the places they uh, end up serving. The same is true of our teachers training college. They graduate with a lay ministry certificate. Uh, we also have Bible college, um, several different locations, uh, several different ways that that happens throughout field, um, and we have a ministry to the disabled in Tonga. So um, 
just be aware that you are part of amazing work and families and lives being touched, and it's really exciting. Uh, we get a lot of questions about what it's like to live in other places. We've been driving on the other side of the road for 10 years now. That can get a little bit exciting when habit takes over and we're in the wrong lane. <laughs> but we haven't had any accidents and it hasn't really happened this time. Wow. <laughs> we're getting better. <laughs> um, in Papua New Guinea, we would go shopping once a month got really good at trying to figure out what our family needed for a month. And it was an all-day event. The town was about 45 minutes away, and the road was more potholes than road. And um, it was an adventure. And the stores were not what you would think of when you think of a grocery store, um, because there was a lot more grime. And there were usually cats running around to make sure that the mice were kept down. Um, <laughs> And so, and when you went to the market, you had to wear shoes with as thick of a sole as you can. Chacos are great for that, to keep you up out of the muck, because they would just sweep all of the leftover produce all around, and it made a nice smell and feeling. This is, I'm just trying to get you there with me. Uh, in Fiji, it was a little bit different. Um, I am convinced that you can find anything that you want in Fiji. You just have to be willing to go to like 80 little stores to find the one store that has the item that you're looking for. And my husband was much more patient with that than I am, so he's the one who usually found things for us. Um, but we would go to three or four grocery stores and the market and the butcher just to get the things that we needed. No one-stop shopping in these places. Um, <clears throat> another thing is that you don't buy produce at the grocery store unless you're desperate or you're looking for something that's imported because the produce is bought at roadside um, markets. And it's much better, and it's much more affordable at these markets. And they don't sell things by the pound, or in this part of the world they call it the kg, because everything's by the kilogram. They sell produce at the markets by the heap. They would pile up these piles of produce, and like, they could get amazingly intricate pyramids of potatoes that I was really good at knocking over. Um, <laughs> but as long as I bought it, they didn't mind. Um, and we found that the heaps... The prices didn't change if, if the crops weren't producing as much or if there was a drought. The heaps just got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, so those are just some of the things with shopping. You also have to learn a new language because most of the products that we would get um, came from Australia and New Zealand and Asia. Uh, one time our breakfast cereal was from Egypt. You never know where things are going to come from. Um, but if you want molasses, you have to know that that's called treacle. And if you want hamburger, you have to know to ask for mints. And so it gets a little bit fun sometimes to try and learn a new lingo. Um, but it's, it just keeps things exciting. Even the school year is different. It's in the southern hemisphere. And so the school year doesn't start in August. It starts in January. And it ends in November. And because there are not four seasons, uh, it is not called summer break, even though that is their summertime. It's just called school holidays. Well, and so church is a little bit different, too, especially in Fiji. Um, uh, what we do is we basically just get rid of all the furniture because you can fit a lot more people in church when everyone's just sitting on the floor. It's much more casual, a lot more like, a, like, a, like someone's home. 
in Fiji, when you get together at someone's home, you sit on the floor. Only the awkward foreign guests sometimes get a chair and you feel really weird sitting up in a chair. So I just learned to sit on the ground for hours and hours at a time. You might notice too, they kind of dress different in Fiji. Um, this is typically what a pastor would wear in Fiji. It's a sulu, it's a men's garment, and it's not a skirt, even though my kids love to say dad's wearing a skirt today. But um, <laughs> you'll, you'll see that we have a matching outfit. And traditionally in Fiji, oftentimes a whole family would get a set of outfits made out of the same fabric. That's kind of how you knew how everybody came from the same family. So it's really cool to see all these family groups in a larger gathering wearing the same outfit. So we would call that Kalavata. So we, we wore that today just, just to bring a little bit of Fiji to Mountain Home. Um, so the other thing that's really uh, different, or at least can be different in Fiji, is that church is very interactive and very outgoing. Fijians themselves are very outgoing. And so um, everyone would come to church, and it's, it's a lot like a big family. And so it's very common that you, you show up at church expecting to share something, like an item. And I think I've seen it in some Nazarene churches locally, too. But, you know, someone just says, today I'm going to do this in church. And they would call it an item. That can often be a song, a scripture reading, a prayer, even a dance. Dancing's huge in, in Fiji. Our kids got to do it. Um, and it's a totally different thing to see all the teenagers line up and do this dance together that's to a worship song or some other song that they might do. So that was really cool. So um, it's the other thing, too. There's an expectation that each person would bring a testimony. And so often the pastor would call out the congregation. And don't get nervous here. I'm not going to call out anyone. But call out the congregation to bring testimony. And if the congregation was a little reluctant, often the he'd kind of pick on his own kids first. So in that tradition, I'd like to call my eldest, Emma, to bring a, bring a um, testimony today. God is good. Did you not know? Oh, no. <laughs> God is good. And all the time. Amen. I would like to thank the Lord for my life and for my family's life, and for guiding and protecting me, and giving me strength, and for helping me with my schoolwork. Thank you. Thanks, Emma. So this is a very typical testimony that a teenager could bring. Actually, Emma's really good at bringing heartfelt and deeply thought-out testimonies, but, but when the pastor calls out their kids, oftentimes it's like, um, do I really have to do this? Okay, I'll get this over with as soon as possible. Amen. Thank you very much. But... <laughs> But other times, it's a venue where people just can bear their hearts in a family setting where um, there's grace and there's love. And when hard things happen, the church comes around that person. So it's, it's really cool to me to know that we've encur we can encourage people to share their hearts in church and that it's a venue where we can do that. I, so it's something that as your church, uh, your church body comes together, you know, this is a safe place. At least I would assume so. And you can share your heart. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. 
I believe there could be and there should be an expectation in church, in the body of Christ, that every person, whether you're a brand new believer, someone who just got introduced to Christ, or if you're a seasoned elder or an older person in the church, that every person has something valuable to share in a service and when we come together. So in that regard, I'd like to ask Joni to share her testimony as well. I could never. How many of you have ever said that about something? Yeah. There's a lot of things that I said that I could never do. I could never be a parent of a child with challenges that I don't understand. I could never be a missionary. I could never be a working mom. I could never homeschool my children. I could never be a working mom who has to homeschool her children. <laughs> I could never be the only Nazarene missionary serving in a country by ourselves. Um, I could never be a pastor's wife. I could never be a teacher. But in Luke 18, 27, Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. God hasn't called us to live a life that we can do on our own. Uh, he wants us to put our trust in him and to learn the things that he has for us because his plans for us are good. And um, they are things that we can only accomplish if we rely on him and trust in him and submit to him. In Romans 8:28, we find the promise that we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. We don't always get to see how the things that we are going through could possibly be good, <laughs> um, but we know and can trust that God does. Uh, in one of our first services that we had this year, we sang the song of Father's House, and I love the line that said, the story isn't over if the story isn't good. Because God promises us that it will be good. And so I would encourage you to stick it out if it's not good yet, because it's going to come. Uh, in Psalm 139.16, it tells us that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. To me, it is amazing and it is comforting to know that God has seen every single one of my days. And he knows exactly what I'm going to face. And he is preparing me for those things. Um, I, I know that a lot of times the things that we go through, that I go through, that are stretching and that are challenging, that I feel like I may not make it through, are often the very things that have prepared me for something that comes further down the road. Um, in 2014, I got to go to Manila for some finance meetings. I was super excited. Oh, I didn't mention, I'm an accountant. I am one of those, you know, really popular and common missionary accountants. Um, there's not enough of us, so if you know any accountants, <laughs> pray for them. Um, but anyway, I was super excited because part of my job was traveling. It was going to these different countries where we work in and doing training and doing audits. And this time, instead of my boss, my regional boss, coming and auditing me in Papua New Guinea, I got to go to Manila, and all the field treasurers were getting together to, to talk and to see what plans we could make and help each other as best we could. And so I was super excited, and I had plans for this trip. We had been living in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, very rural, for three years. And so I was ready to go out, and I was going to go shopping, and I was going to get a haircut, <laughs> and I was going to find Starbucks. These were my three things <laughs> that I was going to do in Manila. And then I found out that we had some Papua New Guinean students who were studying at the seminary in, uh, in, in Manila, APN. 
ATNTS, it's the Asia Pacific Nazarene Theological Seminary. And uh, so I contacted them and I said, hey, I was wondering if there's anything I can bring to you, things to remind you of home. And so I got a list and I was super excited, kind of like playing Santa Claus when you get to bring things from home to people. Um, and so I was planning and packing and getting ready. And then I, I saw on Facebook about a week before we were leaving um, that they had had a baby boy. And they were so excited, this long-awaited arrival of their, their son. And then I watched as they posted a request for prayer because he wasn't doing very well. And then I saw that he passed away. And so I was contacted by the church in Papua New Guinea asking me to go and be at the memorial service and to bring home to them. And this is not something that I would ever think of doing in my normal ways. <laughs> I am really good with numbers. I am not so great with people sometimes. And so I was not excited about this. But I went and I did my best to allow God to use me and to just be with them in their grief and in their pain and allow God to work in me and allow God to comfort them. And he did, um, and it was beautiful, but it was still really hard. And so I was really happy when my time in Manila was over and we headed off to the airport so I could go home. And then I discovered Manila traffic. I don't know if you've ever heard of Manila traffic. Um, it is well known world round. <laughs> um, we were on our way, it was a Friday night, so bad traffic, it stopped. And it took us five hours to go 17 kilometers, which is 10 miles. And um, I watched my plane take off. And I thought to myself, I could have walked that. Um, <laughs> but I didn't. And so we had to go back to our friend's house and stay a couple of extra days. My family forgave me because I brought Krispy Kreme back for them. And so that was all good. Uh, but I told my husband and I told my boss that I would be perfectly happy to never return to Manila. So now it's 2021, and we have spent the last two years in Fiji. It was a wonderful place for our family to be. Um, during COVID, it, actually it was a COVID-free bubble for like 300 days. It was beautiful and amazing. Um, and we really, really, really got to be at home with our church family there and to get to know some of the locals in a way that we've never done before. And so it, it, was, a, it was a great gift from God to our family after a particularly tough season that we had had before that. And so we have said goodbye to those dear friends and we have prepared ourselves and shipped our things out of Fiji. And in August, we transition to Manila. But the really good news is that we are not the same people that we were in 2014. I am not the same person that I was in 2014. And God has been working in me and in our family. And we are not going dragging our feet. We are not complaining and grumbling about a new location. We're excited. There are things that God has put into place for each one of the members of our family to look forward to in this move. And so... We would ask you to pray for us, and in all of this, we actually don't have visas, and we don't have a house, and school is not in person, um, and all of those things need to fall into place in the next couple of months for it to work out the way we're hoping, um, but God knows all of this and has seen those days as well. Uh, so I would just encourage you to thank God for those times that really are hard as well as those times that are good and easy, because it, he's probably preparing you for something that you're not ready to handle yet. And so um, to just keep on with that. And the really exciting thing is that you can look back and see all of those things that you could never 
that you've actually been able to do? So 10 years ago, when we arrived in Papua New Guinea, we, we would say fresh off the boat, or in our case, an airplane, um, we were brand new missionaries. And, all, and so when you get to the station, everyone comes out to see the new guys. And so we're surrounded by these missionary co-workers, and they're telling us their story, they're asking our story. But the question that often comes up is, you know, how were you called to missions? And so here we are, I'm a program manager for an aerospace company and an accountant, and we're surrounded by missionary doctors and nurses and preachers and church planters, all these amazing people of the faith. And honestly, I didn't feel like I belonged with this group of people. Uh, this question that we, uh, how were you called to missions, was one I really wasn't prepared to answer. One of the doctors there shared her call to missions. She said, from five years old, I knew I was going to be a doctor. And then I knew I was going to go to the mission field. And then another doctor, halfway through college, switched his degree from music to medical, which is not something you do lightly, but because he felt that God was calling him to missions. And so, honestly, I felt totally and, and absolutely inadequate being here in Papua New Guinea, now labeled a missionary. Um, I can't actually say now that I was ever called to missions. However, through a series of God-ordained events, 10 years ago, we packed up our house, sold our cars, rented it, uh, said goodbye to family and friends. My mom cried. Her mom cried. Uh, I had coworkers. I sat across the desk from one of my coworkers. He looks me in the eye and says, what you're doing is amazing. I really respect and, and admire it, but I think you're absolutely nuts. And he was dead serious. He goes, I don't think this is going to work. And he was right as we looked through the, the arrangements, none of it made any sense whatsoever. But God is good. And now, 10 years in, with what was supposed to be just a short volunteer assignment in Papua New Guinea, turned into a life that is beautiful in exotic places, sometimes a little bit dangerous, but it is good. And it took me a few years to realize what it was, but some good friends of ours. You, if you've ever heard of Vernon Natalie Ward, they're from this area. But um, they gave us words that helped me kind of express my call to missions. Natalie shared with us, she said, we were never called to missions. I said, that's pretty curious, considering you're now the directors of global missions for the entire Church of the Nazarene. You yourselves weren't called to missions. She said, no, we were called to daily obedience. And for them, daily obedience meant becoming house parents in a little place called Ukarumpa for some missionary kids. And then throughout all the different assignments, which eventually led them back to uh, Lenexa, Kansas, to be the directors of global missions. She said it's daily, daily obedience for them was being called to missions. But when that changes, they would change as well. So that really resonated with me. And so, um, so that's what... I feel God has called us to, to daily obedience. And so um, I'll often wake up in the morning and, and I'll think, okay, God, what are we going to do today? Before I had an agenda, a schedule, people expected things of me. Uh, I had uh, things I had to get done. But now I try to put myself in an attitude to say, okay, Lord, I know what I think I want to do today, but what do you have for me? And let's do that. I'm, a re I'm reminded again and again of the verse that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you in Matthew 6, 33. And I will testify that that is the case, that when I seek the righteousness of the Lord and the things that he has for me in my life, it is good. He adds things to my life that I never could have imagined. So I, I'd like to confidently say that by putting God's first in my life, it is good. And the things that I thought were trouble just fall into place. I believe that God often moves mightily when we position ourselves for what I like to call divine appointments. There was one Saturday that I took my son to soccer practice in Suva, and within the space of an hour, I had the opportunity to share my faith and my story with an agnostic man and a devout Muslim. I didn't go out that morning to go preach the gospel. I didn't go out to evangelize or win souls to Christ. I simply went out to watch my son do soccer practice. But because I believe God positioned me in a particular place with where I had something in common with these men, I was able to share my story. And they respectfully listened to me. There was no preaching at them, nor was there arguing over matters of faith. And I was able to share my story and the hope that I have in Jesus Christ. And so I don't know what will or what did come of that, but I hope that I got to play a small part in the plan that God has for each of their lives. And I like to say that I believe God loves these two men as much as he loves me. He made them. He created them. And I'm called to do the same thing. So I don't know. I don't have an end to that story, but maybe someday I'll get to find out that Maybe something that the Lord put on my heart to share changed their lives. God's used these two years that I was in Fiji to grow me and enrich my relationship with him. Um, when, when we got to Fiji, I had big plans. Joni and I had big plans. This was going to be good. The kids got to go to a, a great school that was going to help after being homeschooled for a lot of years or being in a small um, mission school. Um, and we were going to travel. Joni was going to easily be able to jump off to all of these countries she listed. And I'd stay at home and, and keep an eye on the kids. And it was going to be easier than being in Papua New Guinea. Well, we all know what happened in the last couple of years. So we were really sequestered on this little tiny island surrounded by thousands and thousands of miles of ocean. And so it was not my plan, but God's plan. And so I was able to take my course of study classes, and I am now pursuing uh, ordination as a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. That's one of those things. Joey said, I could never be a pastor's wife, but she fully supported and endorsed me and supported me when I was taking my classes, and I just thank God for her. But in the time there, Joni mentioned that we got to um, engage the local people much deeper than we often do as missionaries. Missionaries often travel a lot and have busy schedules, and we don't get to dive deep on a discipling um, level like, uh, like I'd like to sometimes. But I was asked by a local pastor, Pastor Dan, to join him to, in this ch home church movement that was going on in Fiji. And so... I got to go with him to this little place called Wainibuku. Can everyone say Wainibuku? That's kind of fun to say. Um, <laughs> Wainibuku is this little community next to, um, uh, next to one of the largest cemeteries in Suva. And uh, so when I walked into this house in Wainibuku, it's a four-room four house, um, I was greeted 
by this lovely lady. Her name was Auntie Bali. She was a Melanesian woman, a Fijian, about so tall, and she just had the love of Jesus in her eye. And she welcomed me into this little house where five families shared these four rooms. And we would have church there. There was a common space and then a few bedrooms around the outside, and that's where we prayed that's where we uh, learned. That's where uh, Pastor Dan taught the taught scripture, and we would sing, sometimes dance, sometimes eat. Um, and then when it was time for children's church, the children didn't get dismissed to another place. They would just scoot a few feet back towards the kitchen sink and have children's church. And that's what, what church was for us. But it was so good. It was so wonderful to be in this family environment where. These people knew each other well. They lived together, and the neighbors knew them well. And sometimes they would hear all the noise coming out of the, coming out of the house, and they'd poke their heads in and just say, hey, what's going on? It really was community, and I loved it. And it was such a wonderful thing. We would do worship. Auntie Bali would lead worship with this battered old ukulele. I think something you would get at a gift shop. And it was seldom in tune, and it was really falling apart because everyone in the house played on this thing. And so that was our worship. And it wasn't very um, carefully rehearsed, but it was joyful. And the kids would know these songs that I think our grandparents probably learned in their church years and years ago. And they would sing them enthusiastically. So I, I thought, you know, let's get these kids more involved. And so I went home to my little workshop and I made them a bunch of percussion instruments. Anything they could bang together or shake, a little PVC pipes filled with beans and even an old water jug that we put uh, some leather on top and it turned into a bass drum. Let me tell you, that was joyful worship. It wasn't very musical, but it was very, very joyful. So uh, later we brought in a couple more ukuleles and it was just a great time. Um, so this little church that was maybe five families ebbed and flowed with the people who would wander by when, when the family was there or not, but it was community, and it was my family. They had adopted me. I, it was something I was doing separate from our Sunday worship, and so I got to know them very well. My daughter got involved a couple of times, and they loved on me, and so it was a really, really sad day when I said, we're, we're leaving Fiji. There were tears, there were hugs. Fijians love to hug, let me tell you. Social distancing did not work in, in Fiji whatsoever, but they treated me like family. So it was really sad when, when I told them it was time for me to go. But, um, but the cool thing is, so this little church, without a church board, without a proper facility, without a budget, without anything, was already planning their next outreach. They were going to plant another church on the other side of the cemetery in Wainipuku, and they were going to go out. And so these people have all kinds of great things that God has put in front of them, and I can't wait to hear what God's going to continue to do in this, in this church body. So the Pastor Dan that Randy talked about um, was elected the Fiji District Superintendent in October. He's one of the youngest district superintendents they've had, which in a tribal culture that has all of those those um, hierarchies is a really big deal, but he has the support of a lot of really good people, and he has vision, and he has passion. Uh, he was actually surprised that he was elected, which is 
I think in his case, a really good thing. Um, but he is calling up people into new levels of leadership, and it's really exciting to watch what God is doing in the district, uh, the Fiji district of the church. Uh, the, the thing is, is that we loved living there, but Fiji didn't need us there as missionaries. We were more part of the family in our time there. And so I told them, as much as we love you and would love to stay here forever, God has other things for you, and God has other things for us. And so, like I said, we're transitioning to the Philippines. The biggest part of that is my job. Like I said, there's a shortage of accounting missionaries, and so um, we're kind of start we're pooling together, and I'm going to be joining my regional finance director in Manila uh, to work together and try and make things more efficient and have kind of a hub that we can work out of there. We we finally have words for it with our family. I am the one, my position determines where we go because they want him everywhere. Um, and he is useful no matter where we go. Um, so that's just kind of how things work. Um, but I, I should have added relocate internationally during a pandemic to the things I never thought I could do. And the jury's still out because we're not, we're only halfway through the process. Um, like I said, we don't have visas. We don't have a house. We're, it, the plan really only works if our kids can go to school because when we're, when they're schooling at home, it, it requires a whole lot more of parents as most parents found out this last year. Um, so if you would pray with us on those things, that would be really fantastic. Um, we have prayer cards in the back. I think most of those things are on it in one way or another. Um, but we wanted to thank you for letting us come and share a little bit about what our life is like and some of the things going on in our part of the world. Thank you for um, your participation in, in missions and in giving and, and being part of this way the Nazarene Church does things that actually is often envied worldwide um, because of how well it works. And so we wanted to leave you with just a couple of words of encouragement, uh, some of the things that we've talked about today, uh, to put God first. And all of those other things will either fall into place or probably weren't that important anyway. Uh, to look for ways to be available in your everyday life. For God can use you. God can, that, that time you think of a friend, call them. Don't just think about them or pray for them or smile at somebody or give someone a hug. Listen to those prompts inside. They're, they're oftentimes God nudging you for things that he wants to do. Uh, to thank God for everything that you go through, the good times and the hard times, the fun times and the ones you wish you didn't have to walk through. Um, and to trust that God will prepare you for everything that he calls you to do. And to lean on that and not to worry quite so much about all of that. Um, so thank you, or as they would say in Fiji, Vinakavakalevu, for letting us come and share. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church of the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us, and have a great week.